And we're going to look at verses 43 to 45. Joshua 21, verses 43 to 45. Here in our text, we have a glorious summary of the process of how God delivered on those promises that we read in Joshua chapter 1. Promises that go right back many hundreds of years. Before going into the land, there were many hostile enemies. Those who instilled fear in God's people. In Numbers 13, earlier in their journey from Egypt to the promised land, the spies were sent into the land. Only Joshua and Caleb were seen to be faithful to the Lord, trusting in God's promises. Here in this text we're about to look at here this evening, we can see that they were wise to do so. They were wise to do so. Not worried about the obstacles to get there. For they were trusting in God. And what about us here this evening? As as we're about to look at this text. Are we trusting in God's promises? That as it says here. All came to pass. That we we trust. That everything he promises. Us. Believers in Jesus Christ. Will surely come to pass. As surely as these things came to pass in the days of Joshua. So Joshua chapter 21 verses 43 to 45. We'll read now God's holy and infallible word. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to them. To their fathers. And they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. And may God bless his holy word. Everyone has heard the phrase, too good to be true. Too good to be true. If we see that a car is unusually cheap being sold, we automatically think something's wrong. Something's broken. Can't see what it is yet, but I'll find out. If we get an email and it says, we're going to win a lot of money. You just have to click on this link. Immediately we're cynical. At least we should be. Normally when we see things like this, we think something is not right. It's just, it's just too good to be true. It's just too good to be true. Something I have begun to experience since I moved to Northern Ireland was the experience of somebody ringing me up And promising me cheap iPhones and all all sorts of things. I've never experienced that before. But 
I think people are aware of what I'm talking about. There's so many scams out there, aren't there? The wor- we, we live in a world that is surrounded with deception. So we learn fast from experience. We kind of have to. It's a, it can be a cruel world. Usually painful experience. The, the many things are just simply too good to be true. It can't be trusted. And there can be the problem with this thinking that we can become incredibly cynical. We can come to distrust everything. Children, wonderfully, are are different to this. They are usually very trusting as they often have not gone through this painful experience of trusting the wrong person. They believe people are telling them the truth. And that trust must not be abused. But what do we think of when it comes to God's promises? The things that he says to his people. And the thing is, dear friends, the longer we are Christians, the more we can become cynical. The more we can just say, well, that's just too good to be true. It says in Matthew 18, 4, Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Dear friends, we need to humble ourselves and trust God's promises. Just how a child trusts. Promises which are so much greater than any of the promises that the world will make. The the most outlandish promises you've ever heard in an email, the most outlandish promises you've heard, biggest scams you've ever heard, if they were true, the promises of God's word are far greater. But they're also filled with countless reasons to trust them at the same time. That is to trust the God who gave these promises to his people. We're going to look at these three, this small section of God's word, and we're going to look at it under four headings. And the first heading we're going to look at is promised possession. Promised possession. Verse 43, So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers, And they took possession of it and dwelt in it. In the wilderness, the people of Israel, God's people, had tiny glimpses, little glimpses of the land that was to come. They were warned not to forget. Before they entered in at all, they were warned not to forget the Lord because the prosperity would be so great. Compared to what they were already experiencing in the wilderness. It says this in Deuteronomy 8 verses 10 to 14. When you have entered and are full. Then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. By not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes. Which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten. And are full. And have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. 
And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. The point is, this land is going to be so amazing, the temptation is going to be to forget God. All that they needed was there, above and beyond anything they could imagine. They weren't really prepared for it, you could say. And in such comfort, they could forget God. In such comfort, ultimately, sadly, they did. On the other side of the Jordan River, they were told by Moses and then Joshua, more was to come. There was a promised possession. What they were experiencing in the wilderness, what they were seeing on the other side of the Jordan, it wasn't all that there was there. There was much more. It was much better than this. But the longer they would spend in the wilderness, the more cynical they would become. The more they would question God's promises. It says in Numbers 14, 1 to 4, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and our children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt so that... So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. What had just happened at that point is the spies were sent out. The spies come back with a report from the land. An evil report, most of them gave. And everybody was, we can't face all these problems. We can't face all these strongholds. We cannot face these problems. Caleb and Joshua were wonderful exceptions, of course. They said, let us go up at once and possess the land. But they wanted to go back to Egypt. Why did Joshua and Caleb not follow the crowd? They knew there was much more to come. There was a promised possession that they were going to have. And more than the challenges, more than the struggles, much more than they could ever imagine. They trusted in God. They knew that God was faithful. And dear friends, we see the example here in verse 43. The Lord gave to Israel all the land which he had sworn. His promises fulfilled. Here we see it. Here is the reality. They were promised it. Here is the reality. They come into the land. What was questioned and doubted became reality. They thought it was just too good to be true. But it was not so because God promised this. And that's all we need to know, dear friends. God promised this. Can he do this? Oh, yes. Don't we struggle with things in the word of God and say, 
I don't know if God can do this. Now, we may say we, we disagree with how the, the verse is interpreted, but let us not say he can't. Whatever, whatever the word shows us, and whatever he promises to his people that will come, it will surely happen. It will surely happen. There is a possession for us to come, dear friends. They were waiting for this promised land. We're waiting for something far greater. A possession far greater than this land here. We have a wonderful inheritance in heaven with Christ. It says in Ephesians 1.11 and 12. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Being predestined according to the purpose of him. Who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ. Should be to the praise of his glory. There is a wonderful inheritance. And you could say dear friends. We are also on one side of the Jordan. Being asked to trust. In God. To deliver us. That when we take our last breath. We will be brought infallibly. Without question, into the presence of Almighty God. And so, dear friends, when bad news comes and someone tells you that you have ill health, you don't have much time to live, whatever the case may be, you can look back and you can smile at the doctor or nurse who told you that because you're going to be with God. And it's the most wonderful testimony. And I know people have done that. That we will all go to a place full of joy where that pain, whatever suffering you're going through today is no more. A place of bliss. A place where there won't be a single tear shed. We can't even imagine it, can we? We can't even wrap our heads around it. And you see, that's the danger. It's just too good to be true. I think children struggle with it less than us adults, don't they? It's not too good to be true because God has promised it. A new heaven, a new earth, renewed, perfect, without sin, without suffering, without death, without pain, without cancer, without hospitals, all gone. Everything that causes you pain, gone. Sin, gone. Dear friends, this text, it shows you there's much more to come. Much more to come. And it will surely come. Much more. So promised possession. Now we're going to look at promised protection. Promised protection. Verse 44. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. What is described here, and it is, in, it is a picture, isn't it? It is a picture of our final home. Our heavenly Canaan. But what is a picture here is a place of rest. A place of rest. Something this world is surely not. Have you ever had a hard day of work? You're just exhausted. You've been working all day. And all you can think about is 
your head hitting the pillow and you just can't wait to close your eyes. You're just so tired. You're exhausted. You're weary. All you want to do is lay your head on that pillow. The Hebrew word here, rest, has a sense of laying down. Almost like of a quiet time. We may have a busy day with lots of noise. But then we have blessed rest at the end of the day. That moment of sleep. In this world, we don't have perfect rest, do we? We don't. We have enemies, and those enemies do not give up. It talks about here that the Lord will give them all their enemies stood against them, and the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. We have enemies. And those enemies don't give up. And the only way we can have victory over those enemies is if God delivers them into our hand. Recently we saw in the news one example. It was good news with the verdict in the European Court of Human Rights on the Ashes Bakery case. I'll be honest, I was amazed it was still going on. There was good news and there was also bad news. Let's be honest. There was... What broke my heart is this man is still continuing to pursue this. Dear friends, we need to pray for this man. The sad news is those who continue to pursue this. To punish or attempt to punish anyone who will not approve of sin. And it's just amazing that people will dedicate years of their life to force someone else to go against their conscience. There are challenges and there are trying times for the believer in Jesus Christ on this earth. I can't imagine the strength that the MacArthur's have needed to get through the last few years. But the Lord gave them the strength needed. We are not given perfect peace here. But we will have it one day. He will give that to us. You could say what we've seen this week is a partial victory, isn't it? We're going to see the full victory in the world to come. The fullness of the promise of Genesis 3.15. He shall bruise or crush your head. That is speaking of the serpent's head. He will defeat the champion of the enemies. He will defeat Goliath. He has at the cross defeated him. Our greater David, the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be full and lasting peace. On this earth. Renewed earth. A renewed earth. Death an enemy that stalks us. But will be given into our hands. We remind ourselves of this verse once again. The Lord gave them rest all around. According to all that he would sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies. Stood against them. The Lord delivered. Or literally gave all their enemies into their hand. 
they would be defeated. In 1 Corinthians 15, 25 and 26, Paul writes, For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Death. One day will come when death will no longer be able to harm us. We have been delivered from eternal death in Christ Jesus. No longer subject to the wrath of God. Free from that. But we will one day die. We will go depart from this body and go to be with the Lord. But there will come a day when there will no longer be death upon the earth. He will remove it and triumph openly over it. He is reigning today. He is triumphing today. He is ruling today. He is saving souls today. But as he advances and as the kingdom advances, more and more enemies are being put under his feet. And the last enemy that we put under his feet is death. Does it all, dear friends, seem too good to be true? Are your enemies too strong for God? Is our lawless nation too strong for God? That when we go to our prayer closet, that when we go to pray before God, our efforts seem so futile. No, not our efforts, the, the one we pray to, the one we petition to. Is the current spiritual state of our nation too strong for God? Is, has it gone too far that God cannot reverse us? Back again. Now. God is all powerful. There is nothing that restrains him. By saving by few or by many. Illness, death, whatever you are facing. God is stronger than those things. And if you are facing those things. God has permitted those things to occur in your life. There's nothing holding God back in terms of his power. The one who promises this, this is perfect, lasting peace, in the fullest sense of the term. We see it but a picture here. But in the fullest sense of the term, with all enemies put under the feet of Christ, with all these things removed, the one who promises this is faithful. He is true. He cannot lie. Here's the thing. He cannot even lie. He cannot go against himself. These enemies will fall as they face God. One by one they will fall. There you will know peace. There you will know protection. Because to be protected. You need to be protected from those things that can harm you. To know peace, protection, privilege in the presence of God. There you will not know pain. I labor this point, friends, because we can so easily become cynical. We can so easily become wrapped up in the cares of this world. Compare this drop of water compared to the ocean of eternity. And you still don't even come to the vastness of what we're dealing with here. 
A place where worry is gone. Because, dear friends, we're going to a place where there's nothing at all to worry about. But no doubt we do worry in this world. But so often because we neglect to remind ourselves of the promises of God. Dear friends, remind yourselves of the promises of God. What he has promised to you. Remind yourselves that they are not too good to be true. Number three. Promised to prevail. Promised to prevail. So we've looked at the promised possession. There's more to come. We've looked at number two. The promised protection. There will be peace to come. Promised to prevail. There will be victory. There will be victory. Uh, Verse 45 here. The first half or the first part of the verse. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. Not a word failed. Nothing failed. We can become weary, can't we? We can become weary. As we deal with the challenges and the strongholds of the enemy, it's a tiring battle. Any, Any battle that you face... Is difficult. I'm sure those people who are fighting in World War II, and it's near the end of the war, it's 1944, 1943, they're weary, they're tired, they can't wait to get home to their families, they're tired. And it's in those moments we want to quit, we want to give up, we want to not do it anymore. Years ago, I learned of this thing, I don't know if it's just something that I do, but in, when running on a treadmill, put a towel over it so you don't know the number of how long you've run. It actually kind of helps you, at least I believe it helps me, not focus on how long you've been running or how much longer you've got to run or whatever. And you'll actually be shocked when you take off the towel and go, oh, I've been running that long. You wouldn't realize how fast you run. And I think one of the things with this is we stop to think of the pain. Oh, I have another 20 minutes of this to go. Or how much is left to run. Rather, we're looking at something that brings us peace. Now, in this case, it might be listening to music. Something to distract you from the fact that you're to run a race. On our journey... We need to not think of our pain as much as we do. Yes, we bring it to the Lord, but we look to someone who gives us peace. Someone who gives us comfort and someone who gives us strength. Someone who has finished the race we are currently running. This this wearying race, this tiring race, this difficult race. Someone else has run it and someone else has done it perfectly. Someone who's finished it. We can only finish this race, dear friends, because of him and because of his performance and because of how he run the race. Even when they buried his body, of this person who ran this race, his body did not decay. He did not see corruption. He is the one who spoke the He spoke the universe. Into existence. And he gives eternal life to all who trust in him. 
Someone who rose from the dead and, will, and we will rise with him. The Lord Jesus Christ. Because he prevailed, dear friends, and because we're in him, we will also prevail because of him. And we need to look to him and what he suffered in our place and how he ran the race perfectly. It says in Revelation 5:11 to 13, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the numbers of them was 10,000s times 10,000. And thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying blessing and honor. And glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. He, the Lamb that was slain, has been victorious over the grave. That enemy which we spoke about. Will we not also be victorious in him? Will we not also prevail? Will we not get through whatever you are going through here today? Has any good thing that the Lord has promised you, dear friends, failed? Has he promised us an easy life? Not at all. Has he promised complete freedom and bliss and happiness in this world? Something free from trials and challenges. On the contrary, he promises these things will come. He says, blessed are you if you are persecuted in the Beatitudes. He tells us all these things. He hides nothing. He hides none of the pain and the suffering that believers go through. But he promises that we will overcome. We will overcome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. 1 John 5.4 Our victory is so assured that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So Paul wrote to the Ephesians. We currently sit in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 2.7 In this world we, we, we taste Part of the fullness of the victory. We do taste some of the freedom. We do taste some of the joy. We do taste some of the good fruit. Of a land filled with milk and honey. But not the fullness. Not the fullness. That will come. We see part of the victory, the the prevailing victory, when we put sin to death. When you overcome something that is making you miserable, drawing you away from God, and you grow in that, and you put that sin to death, that is something to rejoice over. Here we taste of the fruit of the Canaan 
to come. We will surely prevail. We will surely endure to the end. It says in, in Mark 13, 13, And you will be hated for all by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Saved from the presence of sin in this world, though at times you may want to quit and have a weary journey, you will prevail. And finally then, number four, promises proven. Promises proven. So we've looked at promised possession, promised protection, prom- promise to prevail, which is there will be victory, and then promises proven. The last part of this verse here, all came to pass. Verse 45, all came to pass. How many reasons do God's people have for trusting him? Is there one? Is there two? Are there three reasons for trusting God? There are countless reasons for trusting God. Countless reasons. It all happened. This text here is summarizing a whole section of of Joshua from chapter 13 onwards. Which is saying it has been given as promised. All came to pass. But if you've read through the book of Joshua. You also know there's been times of defeat. There's been times of struggle. But this was because of sin and unbelief. God brought the victory to those who trusted him. But defeat to those who did not. When they did not. Back in Joshua chapter 7. Ai was a moment of defeat for God's people. Achan had taken of the cursed possession. And brought that doom. Destruction. Upon his people. These promises dear friends. Proven Trustworthy are for those who trust and follow God's steps. It says in Hebrews 3.16-19. to For who having heard rebelled. Indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt. Led by Moses. Now with whom was he angry forty years. Was it not with those who sinned. Whose corpses fell in the wilderness. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest But to those who did not obey. So we see. That they could not enter in. Because of unbelief. Why did those not enter? Because of unbelief. Unbelief. Keeps. You from the promises of God. Only by faith will anyone inherit this land. Which is a picture of our eternal home. Our eternal rest in heaven. And and here is the proof. Here is the proof. As they've divided up the land. Given it to various tribes and factions. Here is the proof. Or the more proof. That God should and must be trusted. Here is the proof. Nothing failed. Of what was promised. Today we have proof upon proof upon further proof. To trust God's promises. We have proof of what happens to those who try to enter in 
for unbelief. Destruction. But proof also of all of what God does for his people. Pointing towards a greater home in heaven. He's done all that he said. He delivered them. He brought enemies far stronger than they were physically into their hands. He brought Jericho, this mighty city. Brought down the walls by the power of Almighty God. And as we know, the fear of God spread. Joshua chapter 2 with Rahab saying how the people trembled with what God had done. Proof after proof after proof. Reason after reason. Promises proven over and over again. Vindication for God. More and more. There'll be further vindication in the future. That God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords when Jesus Christ returns to this earth. Showing time and time again of his faithfulness. Of feeding them in the wilderness. Of bringing them into the promised land. Promised to Abraham. And we, dear friends, have seen further proof than they even saw. How many hundreds of prophecies were fulfilled with Jesus Christ coming to this earth. Dying and rising again. Promises over and over again. He would come. He would die. He would die for his people. He would suffer. He would serve. He would die among the criminals. Over and over again. What more proof or reasons could we need? All came to pass. To them that have faith. There was victory. Proven time and time again. Shown again and again and again. I say this is because. The, the atheist has no foundation. Only blindness. I say this as a, as a former professing atheist. But it is really like a willfully, and I say willfully, blind man. Who covers his eyes with every ounce of his strength to not see the sun. Shutting his eyelids. Sure it brings life to plants. It shines on his face. But he dares not acknowledge it. He shuts his own eyes out of hatred for the truth. The atheist is surrounded by proof of the promises of God. Of the sunshine and the rain sent upon him. Of the food provided at his table time and time again. Oh, they know. They know of this God, but they hate him. God does not look for a blind faith, dear friends, in the promises of God, but a faith that embraces, not something that's difficult to prove. We're not talking about the latest theories. We're talking about embracing what is the clear and unmistakable truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. That his promises, not one of them fail. Not one. Not one. Not one single one. 
Have you trusted him, dear friend, with your future? Have you trusted him with your worries? Why not? Is God worthy to be trusted? Yes. With everything. With everything. It is. They are worthy to be trusted because it is not too good to be true because of him. We have, we have no right to bring our cynicism, dear friends, into our relationship with God. We have much, much to look forward to. I think people talk about the January blues. They feel like, oh, we've nothing to look forward to and all this. The Christian has always many things to look forward to. Many things. If you're a believer, count your blessings. How many wonderful things, no matter your age, no matter your health, that you have to look forward to in the presence of God. Beyond death, beyond the grave. But if we forget this, dear friends, if we forget this, dear friends, we're so wrapped up in the world. We must remind ourselves of, our, of his promises, of what he has told us he will do. Have you tasted of his rest? You haven't experienced the fullness yet. Have you tasted of his rest, that peace that passes all understanding? Christ has rest for your weary soul, dear friend. Weary. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Dear friend, if you're weary and you don't know him, come, be washed by Christ. Come seek that rest, that blessed peace from your enemies. Come seek him. Find joy and peace. Passes all understanding. Amen.